Morning, family. How are we doing today? Morning, morning, morning. My name is AJ, and it is my privilege to deliver God's word today. I'm really excited. I don't know if you can tell. I've had nothing to eat and a lot of coffee. Um, so I think I'm prepared. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we are continuing in our series, Hidden Power, the Good News of the Holy Spirit. Um, we have been in a series now. This is the fifth part of this series. And a real quick reminder for those who've not been able to make any part of them, uh, I want to show you kind of what the series goal was out front. Um, the series goal out front was simply to understand who the Holy Spirit is, learn what the Holy Spirit does, to grow in walking by the Spirit, and see the gospel as more beautiful than ever before. For those who've been here Show of hands, have some of these objectives, these goals been met in any way, shape, or form? All right, I am fishing. I did get the response I wanted. Perfect. Also, by way of reminder, here's where we've been. These are just kind of a, a quick summary of the series. So the Holy Spirit gives us power. We, we know that we can do nothing apart from the Spirit's power, and uh, that's what we learned in week one. We talked about what does it mean to walk by the Spirit, and we continued to learn that the Holy Spirit sanctifies us, and in many ways, this is like the primary work of the Spirit is to refine us and make us look like Jesus. The Holy Spirit also assures us of our salvation. I think sometimes we're honest, we can struggle. Am I saved? I don't know. I'm not doing Jesus-y things, and so uh, we have this waffling sometimes, but part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to assure us of that salvation. And, um, and now we get to talk about spiritual gifts. This week, we get to talk about spiritual gifts. I'm excited about that because I think this can be a, a confusing topic sometimes. It can be weird and mysterious, and people have probably seen and felt some things um, that are curious to them, and so hopefully we can demystify that. Amen? That's part of my objective is to demystify the spiritual gifts and to help us perhaps walk in them more fully. Um, the slide might not have made it up here, and I, I apologize to, to ruin the media team, but I did want to... Give a shout out to our lead pastor, Christopher. Let's give it up for Pastor Christopher. And here's why. Oh, it is there. He's been preaching like solid for 13 weeks. Apart from, say, the uh, one-off, we had a Stories of God thing where the staff was up here and we were sharing testimonies, and that was a beautiful time. But apart from that, it's been 13 weeks straight. I think Pastor Ed came and blessed us on May 8th. So God bless you, brother. Thank you for feeding us the word of God faithfully for that many weeks. I just wanted to affirm you, man, because that's, that's a hard, word, uh, hard work that he's been doing for us. So and now I'm going to go ahead and uh, just pray to, to invite the Spirit to empower me. <laughs> I need the Holy Spirit's power in this moment um, to deliver this word to hopefully edify you. So Heavenly Father, would you do what only you can do in this moment? God, I just want to be a vessel. I want to be a tool in your hands, an instrument uh, for your purposes to deliver your word to your people. Would you do that in me, in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. All right. All right. So we're talking about the spiritual gifts, and there's going to be a lot of scripture today, and we're going to focus out front here in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. And so I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to read this long form real quick. That includes you in the balcony. Stand it up. That's right. Shout out to the, the youth in the balcony. All right. 
So I'm going to read it. You don't have to read it with me. I'll just read it real quick. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 3. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God. Uh, I'm sorry. I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all these distributing to each person as he wills. You may be seated. Amen. So there's a lot going on in that passage, uh, kind of a, a laundry list of spiritual gifts. We see perhaps very obviously that it's the Holy Spirit who gives the gifts. I'm not even going to bang that drum. Hopefully you get that point without even additional slides. But here's the question I want to ask and answer how should we live regarding the spiritual gifts? Because again, I think some people have maybe experienced some, some abuse or they are, I don't know, weirded out by it. Um, what are some of these gifts? So hopefully we can demystify it and then understand how we should live in light of this passage, in light of this, the gift that spiritual gifts are, Okay. Take a look at the next slide. Here's our overview, or our outline, rather. Three parts. We're going to have an overview, and then we're going to have the purpose, and then we're going to have an invitation to close. So here's the overview. A couple of questions baked into here and the purpose, but what is a spiritual gift? This definition comes from uh, Dr., uh, I believe, James Strong from 1890, and it is a very simple definition that just says, that a spiritual gift is a spiritual endowment, right? Charisma is the Greek word. That word uh, also like charis, where we get um, heart, charisma, a spiritual endowment. I can tell by your reaction that's not super helpful. That's okay. We'll move on to a more robust definition. Hopefully this is more illuminating. Spiritual gifts are nothing less than the Holy Spirit himself in us, enlightening our minds, with revelatory truths, empowering our wills, and imparting to us the strength and wisdom to accomplish his gracious purposes in the church. Amen. That's uh, Sam Storms who uh, has helped us with that understanding. So it's a more robust understanding. Yes, it's the Holy Spirit who gives it to us, but it is empowering us in many ways to accomplish God's purposes in the world. Let's keep it going. So that's maybe a definition of what a spiritual gift is, but then how many are there? Right? We just read there in 1 Corinthians 12, there's a, a laundry list of them. Is that all of them? Are there more? So here's a table to help you out. For the, you're welcome. For, for the new folks, you're like, why is everybody laughing? Um, I, I like visual aids. I like tables and charts and things of that nature. And so uh, not to be, well, 
It's my spiritual gift. It's my spiritual gift is tables. Um, no, just kidding. So you can see here, there is, this is 20 of them, I think. Prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, leading, miracles, mercy, evangelism, helping, faith, apostleship, administrating, tongues, interpretation of tongues, gift of healings, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits, contributing or giving, pastoring or shepherding. That's a lot, right? Um, and I would say that... Um, we're not going to get into all of these. Rest assured, I'm not going to break them all down. I've only highlighted three here for our edification. Um, I'm going to start with administrating before we move to the next slides. Administrating, in a lot of ways, is, um, it is a gift that helps with organization, making things efficient and effective within the church body. I read somewhere they were suggesting that this is like a team gift. Like the, the individual who has a gift of administrating actually really helps the team in a lot of ways through their organizational gifting. So that's that. But prophecy and faith, I needed a little help breaking down because these ones can be a little bit more mysterious or, um, yeah, I, I just needed some, some wisdom here. So Sam Storms again says this. Prophecy is not based on a hunch, a supposition, an inference, or an educated guess, or even on sanctified wisdom. Prophecy is not based on personal insight, intuition, or illumination. Prophecy is the human report of a divine revelation. A human report of a divine revelation. I think that's helpful. It's not all of these other things. And I think some people are like, well, you know, the prophets, they're, they're no longer uh, operating anymore with New Testament. So people trying to talk about prophecy, what are we saying? You know, the, the book the 66 books of the Bible have been canonized and we shouldn't have anything else. Um, it's, it's not trying to say that. Um, it's just a human report of a divine revelation, very simply. And let's define faith real quick. This is D.A. Carson, who says, The gift of faith appears to be the God-given ability without fakery or platitudinous <laughs> exhortations. Love, love that. Somebody can break that down for me. I don't know, platitudinous exhortations. I think that's, you know, like the... I don't know, just the really like Christianese kind of thing that people, you know, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. It's just, it's just platitudinous, whatever. That's not the gift of faith here, right? Platitudinous exhortations. To believe what you do not really believe. To trust God for a certain blessing not promised in Scripture. Hmm. Yeah. It's the ability to believe what you might not really believe. That's faith. Something that's not revealed in Scripture. Scripture is sufficient for, uh, uh, for salvation. It is sufficient for good works. It is sufficient for quite a lot of things. But it's not going to tell you who to marry. It's not going to tell you what school to go to. It's not going to tell you a lot of other things. And that's okay because the gift of faith can help you believe something that's maybe not promised in Scripture. Does that make sense? All right. Let's move along. So a few other implications here. What wasn't seen in the table, but what you should know is that a, that list, that table of spiritual gifts comes from no less than these locations. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. So it pops up a lot of places, both in Pauline and, uh, you know, Peter's epistle. I would say it's comprehensive but not exhaustive. I think sometimes we get real hung up on, like, well, I don't see what I think my spiritual gift is in that, you know, table. So I guess I just don't have one. Um, but that's a lie. That's a lie. I would say that everybody has a spiritual gift. 
period. Everyone has at least one. Some people have more than one, right? We think about the, the passage in the, the parable of the talents. The master gives one, two, and five as he sees fit. The spirit will apportion gifts as he sees fit, but I can tell you without equivocation, everybody has at least one. Here is some scripture to support that. And again, from that 1 Corinthians 12 passage we read, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. The Holy Spirit alone decides which gift each person should have. So please don't leave here thinking you don't have a spiritual gift, you do. Um, How it manifests, how it works itself out can be a million different ways. In the same way that a diamond has a facet and there's different ways to look at the diamond, we talk about that kind of metaphor as it relates to the gospel. The same kind of exists here as it relates to spiritual gifts. There's a laundry list of them, but they can work themselves out differently. So for example, the way I lead, the way I communicate is different than the way Pastor Christopher does. It's different than Pastor Alex, Pastor Owen. I, I have a different way of going about it, but I think we, we all have the gift of teaching or the gift of leadership, but it can manifest differently. So, What is the purpose? What is the purpose of these spiritual gifts? It's a great question. So we are going to answer that here. Um, I think there is a twofold purpose, the priority of which is building up the church. That is it. So let's take a look at this. I was really excited when I, I got into the Greek. If you're not familiar with the blueletterbible.org, blb.org, check it out. Um, so many good resources there. But as I studied this, I kept seeing, I right, builds up the church, build up the church. It, it happened in a lot of places in scripture. I was like, what is that word? Right? Some, some translations say strengthen or edify. What does it mean? And really, it's a compound Greek word from oikos and doma. Oikos being house. That word I've seen in, in the past, you know, the, you think of oikos as, as a household, the household of faith, the household of God, uh, your sphere of influence, that's oikos. Doma is to upbuild, building up. And so when you put them together, there is this building up of the church, the edification of the body of Christ. And I thought that was a really, really beautiful picture. Hopefully you can keep that in your mind as we progress. Oika doma, doma is um, the word here that is often rendered build up the church, but it's meant to edify the body of Christ. So let's take a look at this next slide. Here's kind of some proof texts in 1 Corinthians 14. So you also, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in the building up of the church. Everything is to be done for building up. There's the purpose. The spiritual gifts that Paul has been talking about in chapters 12 and 13, moving on to chapter 14 to close, he's talking about it's all to be done for building up. So then, what's the end goal of all this building up that we're doing if we're, we're Using these spiritual gifts to build up, what, what exactly is the aim, the end goal of this building up? And I would say it here, we're going to have a couple of passages. I'm just going to read this. This is Ephesians 4, um, and there's several more scripture after this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, oikodome, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. There will no longer be 
Uh, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, using their gift, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Amen. So the, the purpose, let's take a look at the, the next line. Right. So gifts are not the goal, but rather one of the means by which we attain the goal of a transformed heart and a Christ-like life. So spiritual gifts, they're not the goal, that's not the end unto itself. They're just a means by which we build one another up. We build up the church. The church is a body of believers. It's individual, but there's members, but you are one body. We build ourselves up through the spiritual gifts towards the end of becoming more Christ-like. Make sense? All right. And so I just wanted to, and I did, I apologize, gang. I didn't, I didn't ask for permission. Oops. But I just wanted to encourage the body. I wanted to build up by showing how I have been built up, and I've seen others in our body built up by these women using their spiritual gifts. Whether they're conscientious of it or not, they're, they're exercising these spiritual gifts. I've seen Erica um, leveraging the, the gift of prophecy, and she'll, she'll be in prayer nights, and she'll say like she, she sees something, um, and she's discerning something, and she'll just vocalize that, or in a staff meeting, she'll vocalize certain things that God has given her kind of in that moment. Um, it's just a human report of a divine revelation. And it's like, whew, and that really builds me up when I hear her say that in those moments. For those of you who know our, our sister Monica, man, and if you've not been to uh, our Wednesday night prayers uh, of late, her prayers are fire, fire in the corporate prayer night. Um, she is just so encouraging because um, she's, she's had a rough one. She's been dealt a rough uh, hand, and she has been navigating that for years, and we have done our best to walk alongside our sister and build her up and encourage her and, and uh, operate in gifts of mercy or service the best way we can, and I have seen her have these faith-filled prayers where she probably couldn't see it. Like, she, she knew perhaps that God could deliver and bring her to the other side, but when she's in the middle of it, you know, uh, it, it's difficult to see the end, and she's really turned a page. She said recently from our, our corporate prayer time, this time last year, she was at home, and she just did not have the energy or the wherewithal to, to get herself to the prayer night. Her kids were on screens. She was feeling kind of depressed and defeated. Fast forward, she's where God wants her to be more and more. She's growing in that Christ-likeness, but she has the faith um, that she's evidencing there. It's beautiful. And then our sister Johan has the gift of administration par excellence. Uh, she has cooked up spreadsheets and uh, flyers, and she helps with scheduling behind the scenes with our worship team. And I got to tell you, that's not less of a gift. Please don't misunderstand. There's no like, oh, well, right, I, I didn't include it. But it's Paul uses this picture in 1 Corinthians 12. He's talking about the members of the body. And like, if the foot can't say to the hand, well, I'm not a hand, so I guess, you know, Eeyore. <laughs> or the, the eye can't say, well, I'm an eye and, you know, kick rocks for the rest of y'all because 
uh, you're not an I like me. There's no, there's no insecurity. There's no pride. No one's flexing, but no one's insecure about their gifts. All of the gifts are necessary. Every part of your body is necessary for you to stay alive. <laughs> Yahweh God, our creator, so ordained it that way. And you can't just take a piece of your body away. It's not going to function properly. You, you will die. You will die. You need your lungs. You need your brain. You need your circulatory system, all of that stuff. And so similarly, there's not like, oh, these are like more elevated gifts or less than. And so just shout out to those who have the gift of administrating. That is, that is a burden relieving gift for those who don't have it. Amen. Sorry. Okay. Little tangent there. So the primary purpose, again, is that oikodome, the building up of the church. But it is also a, a perhaps tangential purpose of building up the body is that we ought to bring in the lost. That is a byproduct of this in many ways. And so let's take a look at scripture here in 1 Corinthians 14. But if all are prophesying and some unbeliever or outsider comes in, he is convicted by all and is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart will be revealed and as a result, he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming God is really among you. Now, in the context of this passage, Paul is kind of talking about prophecy versus tongues. Tongues is not going to be so helpful. It's not going to be so edifying and building up of the body or even the, the outsider unbeliever because they can't hear what you're saying. But if somebody prophesies, the secrets of the, the heart of the unbeliever, man, they're going to feel convicted. They'll fall down, worship God. Man, salvation can come on the other side of people using their spiritual gifts properly. Here's just some evidence throughout the early church, the book of Acts. Perhaps the very first spiritual gift we see on display in Acts is the gift of tongues. Tongues of fire, flame were over the apostles. And what were they doing? They were speaking languages they didn't know. They were known languages, and they spoke it to the people who were there uh, coming to Jerusalem, Jews from all around, and they could hear the gospel proclaimed for the very first time in their own mother tongue. That was powerful. And as a consequence of them being gifted supernaturally with those tongues, they taught the gospel. 3,000 people got saved like that. Acts 3 and 4, we see healing and evangelism. Peter and John, they're healing a, a man who's been um, crippled for, for a long time. And they're, they're evangelizing and teaching and sharing the gospel uh, I think the way I interpret it is 2,000 additional people were saved. I think it says the, the total had come to 5,000. More people are being saved through the, the exercise of these gifts. Acts 5, signs and wonders, right, is the, the language that's used, but that's the gift of miracles. Many more were added. Even the appointment of deacons. Deacons, in many ways, have the gift of service. And when they were serving and waiting on tables and making sure the food distribution of the widows was happening properly... The word of God spread, disciples increased, and even priests came to faith. So hopefully you could see here just really quickly that spiritual gifts and mission are also kind of part and parcel of the purpose of spiritual gifts. Um, so here's an important note. Whether ministry or mission, whether kind of internal to the body of Christ or external to those who are unsaved, the spiritual gifts should always be other-focused. There should always be an other-ish nature to them. We don't have spiritual gifts solely for our edification. Paul talks about, hey, 
I speak in tongues and that, that edifies me in my private prayer language. That's cool. But the primary thrust of this should always be other focused. So keep that in mind as we're continuing to learn about spiritual gifts. They should always be for the other. So how do we know then if the spiritual gifts are operating properly or biblically? So maybe you've been listening this whole time and you're like, okay, I'm kind of tracking all of that, but you know, I've seen spiritual gifts abused in the past. Or it's like, I don't know, it's just kind of weird. I get it. It's building up the church, bringing in the lost. Can you do it wrong? What if, what if people do it wrong? What if I've seen people do it wrong? I'm hurt by that. So here's what I would say. What I think the scripture tells us, a, a, a twofold litmus test for whether the spiritual gifts are being used rightly or wrongly is whether or not they are in control and done in love. There's an excellent video on YouTube that I would commend to you at a later date. I didn't want to play it because I was like, that's going to be too distracting. But here's my testimony uh, of experiencing what some call a fire tunnel. Um, I went to a, a more charismatic church in Reading uh, because, you know, I wanted to check out what was going on there. And I was trying my level best to be very open-handed about my experience. I'm like, man, I'm trying not to prejudge or whatever. So I go and the worship was great and the sermon was nails. Everything was good. And then at the end, and it was so, man, talk about like hospitality. There's an a, a elderly man who is like, he, he knew that I wasn't there. Like that wasn't a regular. And he invited me to sit with them in the front row. And he had other guys that were sitting there with him. And it, I really did feel the love of God in, the, in that man and in that moment. Um, so everything was like going great for the most part until the end of the service. And then they're like, oh, we're going to do this like fire tunnel. And I'm like, what's a fire? I literally looked at him and I was like, what's a fire tunnel? And he goes, I kid you not, he goes, it's like a Holy Spirit car wash. What? This is a Holy Spirit car wash. I don't even know what that is. That doesn't make any sense to me. And it was uh, less, less of a car wash and more of a gong show. Uh, I, we like filed up and we like went down the center aisle and there were people, it was like a conga line. There's two sides of people and I'm just supposed to like walk down and there's like people on either side of me that are laughing uncontrollably and allegedly speaking in tongues. I don't know. And there's just weirdness going on. And, and I was like, I'm like looking at them as I'm kind of like shuffling down this like conga line. And I'm like, what is happening right now? And I don't think anybody looked me in the eyes. And if you know me, that's like a big pet peeve. I don't know why. I don't know if there's a biblical proof text for looking me in the eyes. But I feel like there's something like off about that like, if we're called to be loving and we're supposed to be Christ-like, I think Jesus looked people in the eyes. There's just something about, man, I'm communicating with you. I see you. I hear you. I felt none of that. I'm like, I'm walking down. And it's definitely not in control. It, it was just out of control. The guy in front of me was just kind of like, like he literally was like doused with water. Like, oh, you went through the car wash, bro. I didn't go through the car wash. Very weird, man. It was just a very weird experience. So I don't know. But let's take a look at the next slide. This is what scripture says about leveraging spiritual gifts. Remember the people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Be sure that everything is done properly and in order. In the context of 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about their worship service in many ways and how it ought to be done because they were speaking in tongues like crazy and it was just 
bananas. It was probably akin to that fire tunnel, frankly. And he's like, yo, cool it with the fire tunnel. Be in control. Take turns. I loved, by, by contrast, by juxtaposition, our prayer huddle before we get going in the mornings. Everyone who's here serving, we come around and we take turns praying for. That is so edifying. That is so encouraging. It builds me up. My father-in-law and Jesse, they prayed for me. I felt so ministered to in that moment. That felt like it was in control. I could hear what they said, and that built me up because we don't serve a God of disorder, but a God of order and peace. So I would say that's one litmus test is that the spiritual gifts ought to be employed in control. But perhaps more importantly, they ought to be done in love. So let's take a look at what Scripture has to say. And I... I got to tell you, I, I maybe have not seen this um, until I studied for this, this message, because I think sometimes we can cherry pick verses from the Bible, right? Context is king. You've never heard that. <laughs> it is a platitudinous exhortation. Context is king, but it's facts. Like, you've got to understand the context. And so if you've been paying attention, we've been going through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, swaths of that chapter, and we're going to continue to do that, because at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul's describing many of these spiritual gifts. He's saying, look, be aware of the whole members of the body metaphor, right? Don't be prideful. Don't be insecure about, oh, I'm not like this other member of the body, but let, let me show you a better of way. And then, right, so, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. This is Paul concluding 1 Corinthians 12. You turn the page, it's 1 Corinthians 13. This is the famous love chapter that sometimes people will rehearse at a wedding ceremony. And you got to understand the context that Paul wrote that was about this church in Corinth and their use of spiritual gifts. That was the context in which he's using it. So I'm um, going to jump into verse 4 here, kind of the how, how these spiritual gifts ought to be employed. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, it is not boastful, it's not arrogant, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge... It will come to an end, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, when Jesus comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face, now I know in part. But then I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. I said it this way to just kind of synthesize it. Love is the means and the end. <laughs> it is the means and the end. Spiritual gifts are to be done in control and in love toward the end of becoming love, becoming Christ-like. Does that make sense? Was there a slide before this? Or is this? Yep. So, okay. Yeah, love is the means and the end. And so 
We've covered a lot of ground. I want to synthesize it all here. The Holy Spirit assigns all of us, each and every one of us who calls on Christ as their Lord and Savior, who have been indwelt with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will assign you a spiritual gift or more to be used in control and in love so believers become like Jesus and strangers can become family. Y'all don't seem too excited about that. It just... Whew, it is quiet. Y'all just contemplating out there? I don't know. I need a little bit of feedback. I probably should have solicited that out front. But um, this, is, this is encouraging to me. This, is, this to me is dis- demystifying. The spiritual gifts aren't something to be afraid of or like, ah, uh, or used in wild manners, out of control. They're meant to be used in control and in love so that we, the body of Christ, the oikodome, the household of God can be built up and strengthened, built up to become like Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It is the means and the ends, and as a byproduct, there are people sitting in our midst who don't believe in Jesus, who are probably going to hear and see, right? Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by your what? Love. They will know by your love, and that, I think, is attractive and winsome to a world that is lost and dying. So, okay, we're here at the invitation. What is the invitation? And so by way of reminder, in case you forgot, here is the the overarching, what we call tension question. How should we live regarding these spiritual gifts? Do you believe everything that kind of has been laid out? So the obvious next question is, now what? Now, what do we do with this? Okay, I believe that we all have them and that they're to be used to build up the body in love, in control. Great. How should we live in response to this? Paul answers it for us. It's a very coherent, logical, like, framework all the way through these three chapters. At the end of 12, turn the page. The better way is love. At the end of all of that rhetoric about love, starting 1 Corinthians 14. And by, by the way, this is just an aside, but like chapters and verses didn't exist back in the day. It was like one scroll. And so it was all just kind of a unified thing. So there's a, a unity to these verses and these chapters that are broken up, and that's important to know. But okay, you turn the page, the top of 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is exhorting us to pursue love and desire spiritual gifts if I'm not mistaken, that word desire there, the Greek word underneath of it is, it's like zelo, zeal. It's where we get the word zeal, right? Um, Jesus talks about zeal for the house of the Lord will consume me. So there's a, a, a zeal, a pursuit that we ought to have as it relates to these things. And I just want to show you guys an example Obviously, there's a ton of them, but this one kind of drew my attention. Jesus, the spiritual gifts master, and his use of these spiritual gifts on display here in Mark 5. Um, it's the passage that talks about Jairus and his daughter who was sick, and he was calling for Jesus and asking for Jesus to heal her. And then in the midst of Jesus going on the way, uh, there's a woman who reached out and touched the fringe of his robe and experienced healing. And in these few short passages, we see 
at least these spiritual gifts on display. Um, there was, there was a, a prophetic nature to how Jesus told Jairus to have faith. Have faith, like your daughter will be well, don't worry. Clearly there were some miracles there. The girl passed, she, she died, and, and there were people who were laughing and said, she's dead. They were, they were playing flutes and stuff, and he's like, why are you playing the flute? She's not dead, and they laughed at him, and he raised her from the dead. He had mercy on Jairus. He had mercy on the woman who bled. Those were acts of service. There was exhortation, healing, undeniable, miraculous healing. And I would, I would make a case for tongues. When he goes to heal the little girl and he's in the room with Jairus, he says, Talitha kum. And that's Aramaic. It's not Greek. It's not Hebrew. It's Aramaic. It's something else. But it's interesting. If you read it in your Bibles... Go check it out. It's like italicized, and it's a different language that's being denoted there. Jesus himself speaking in tongues. There's other evidence of that in Scripture. So I want to share this to show you that Jesus embodied and used all of these spiritual gifts, and we ought to do the same, but I'll take it another layer deeper. As a consequence of Jesus fully living out walking by the Spirit, using his gifts, he went to the cross after living a perfect life that we could not live, died on that cross in an incredible act of service. It doesn't get more sacrificial. There's no greater love than this, that a man should lay down his life for a friend. No greater love. His love on display on the cross using these spiritual gifts. And as a consequence of that, we have salvation. We are saved. Our eternity is forever changed. Our present is forever changed. We are being transformed to look more like Jesus. And we know in part, but then we'll see him face to face. And everything's going to be made right. There is gospel all throughout this and all throughout the, the spiritual gifts. And so hopefully, as you see on the next slide, and we would be moved we would be encouraged and emboldened to use these spiritual gifts, to grow, to become like our Lord and Savior who used them for our good. It was very other-focused, right? Whether ministry, mission, these spiritual gifts are to be other-focused. And so Jesus certainly did it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, um, that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God had you in mind when he hung on that tree. Mm. And so, hopefully in response, we would use these gifts to become more like Jesus. Uh, before we go back to the formation moment, let's go one more back, Rue. Sorry. Um, I want to share this. The invitation in a lot of ways is to use your gifts, but maybe you're unclear I know there's a myriad of spiritual gifts assessments out there. Um, they're not inherently evil, but don't get too hung up on them. I'd say the better way to figure out your spiritual gift is to just jump in with both feet. Just dive right in, and the Holy Spirit of God will reveal it to you. Over time, there will be a confirmation of, yes, I'm hearing affirmations from other people that I'm using my gifting, and okay, I'm going to walk in that, or actually... <laughs> Actually, bro, I don't think that's your gift. You should probably try something over here. 
But hey, you'll find that out as you go. So much of the Christian walk, we walk by faith, not by sight. And if we walk by faith and not by sight, then perhaps we ought to just take a leap of faith, get in the game. We're not called to be spectators. We're called to be players. And so hopefully that will encourage you. And then the, the engaging in our environments, like yes, I want to encourage all of you to come to our Wednesday night prayer service because it's there that we're seeing people use their spiritual gifts. It's there in that context that your faith will be built up. I want to encourage you to get on a team and serve on Sundays, not just because we need a warm body to plug in cables, but because you are going to serve the body and build it up. I, you can't hear me through a microphone without Jesse and his team setting out these speakers and without Tang controlling the mute button. All the power is right there. He has spiritual gift of turning the mute button off. And Rue, who is faithfully administrating these slides, that is not insignificant work. The gospel is proclaimed when the body of Christ gets in the game. Come on. So I hope that that will, like, engaging in the environments, attending, it, that's not the end. That's not the end. It's a means to the end. It's a means towards you figuring out what your gift is, bringing glory to God, and building up the church. And so we have Wednesday night prayer environments. We have Friday morning Zoom prayer environments. We have our team environments we have Alpha, which is explicitly missional. If you want to help there, and we are seeing people come to saving faith in Jesus because there's some people that are on a Zoom call using their spiritual gifts to facilitate conversations where people can... And I see you guys. I see you. Um, yeah. And so I feel like I'm missing one of the environments that I wanted to address. Groups. Thank you. Um, I had to phone a friend real quick. <laughs> Our group environment, what we have called formation groups, is about to kick off here in September. And so we've already been doing some preparation. Some folks have leveraged this spiritual gift of administration to have a meeting, to meet at the Meadows House, to talk about that. We're going to have folks open their home, spiritual gift of hospitality, service, what have you. And it's in those environments where we're going to uh, learn more about Jesus gives you an opportunity to leverage your spiritual gifts. So I would encourage you, please sign up for groups. Again, it's not the end. It's just the means to the end. Amen? So now, as we turn our attention to the formation moment, we're going to break up into groups of two or three or four in your area here. Um, want to ask this question. How has someone's spiritual guilt, uh, gift built you up and encouraged you, right? The exhortation, the encouragement is to use the gift because you have one. You have one, no doubt about it. And some of you, many of you, I want to encourage you uh, and thank you for using your gift. As you've used your gift, I have been built up. As I observe and witness others, I become more like Jesus, seeing how they're like Jesus. And it's a great thing. And so, Thank you for your acts of service, the ways in which you are already um, getting in the game. But there's more on the table. And in this moment, I just want to, yeah, encourage you to share, testify how someone else has used their gift to build you up, encourage you. And you know what that's going to do? It's going to build you up. 
It's going to strengthen you. It's going to edify you as you hear those testimonies. So, um, yeah, let's go ahead and put seven minutes on the clock, uh, and I encourage you to.